All right, welcome to the 11 Dubcast. You'll notice again that this is uh, my sultry voice uh, coming at you via the uh, the podcast interwebs. Uh, Bo is is uh, not going to be here today with us, unfortunately. But but in his spot, we do have our very, very uh, esteemed, distinguished guest host, uh, Andy Vance. How you doing, man? I'd say keep expectations reasonable. This is my first no, time. No, no, no. This is, this is going to be the greatest <laughs> podcast that's ever been recorded in yeah. human history, and you've got to live up to that. This is the yeah. 11 Dubcast. We don't do half measures here. We we, we talk about Game of Thrones and Ohio State basketball and football, and we're the best at it. I If I had thought about the Game of Thrones part, I would have gone back and binge-watched since we're, what, a year and a half away from <laughs> right. the next yeah, we got a ways. we got about a year or so, I think, for the next season. So you got time. Next time you come on, you'll just have to be refreshed and into it. Um, but, so, Andy, you, you cover a lot of wrestling for us. You do an excellent job with that. Um, and we will get to that. Believe you me, we will get to that a little bit later on in the dubcast. But what I want to ask you to start off with, and this is, you know, I, like many people, have been really surprised about how Ohio State basketball has performed this year. Not because I thought they were going to be bad, necessarily, but when I turn on the television and I say, all right, I'm going to watch some Ohio State basketball, my in- instinct, my my first reaction is not typically in the past several years to be excited about doing so. It's usually to be like, all right, <laughs> this is going to be a way to kill an hour and a half until I decide to turn it off. But now I find myself actually looking forward to these games. So before we get into the last couple of games, which one was really cool and fun, the other one was less cool and fun, but, you know, still a good result. Has your attitude about Ohio State basketball changed a little bit, you know, in the last year or so? 100%. And, and I'll be frank, uh, when I first became part of the 11 Warriors community, I was one that got uh, no shortage of grief from my fellow commenters because I was <laughs> I was pretty hard on the previous regime yeah, and and it came from a place of love and respect, right? Because uh, we were living in a golden era of Ohio state basketball. It felt like certainly in my lifetime and I I didn't like where we were going. So it was really hard to be positive and you you know, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I, and I couldn't see where we would start, to to turn a corner uh, or where there was reason to be hopeful um and i honestly thought this season was going to be more of the same and and then lo and behold we we have regime change at seemingly the uh worst possible time and yet and yet uh the stars have aligned i i have watched more basketball this season i think than i have probably in the last three seasons combined and that's just a function of here's a team that has a a full functioning give a darn and it's <laughs> nice to see you know regardless of the result I, I was in the um schottenstein center for that clemson game and you know at the end it felt like a beat down and there were some cranky folks in our section that got up and walked out but really for two-thirds three-quarters of that game you, you're like they're in this you know and this is right. a team that they tried to the final whistle to win that game uh and i and i didn't walk away mad even after that that what seemed like a lopsided loss so let me okay. So let's go back. Let's go to the two games that just happened, and since the previous dubcast. So last time we were talking about the Michigan State game, and I think one of the big things that we hit on was you know got to lo- avoid a letdown, and you can't let it get to your head. And while I agree with that, one of the things that I kept thinking was like, you know what, I haven't seen this team really have a letdown at any point in this season. Like it, not during a game, not in the you know after a loss or after a big win or something like that, they just seem to have a really even keel attitude. And I remember I was, you know, I was watching the Maryland game and, you know, we discuss it on Slack as things are going on and we talk about it amongst ourselves. And I remember uh, Maryland went on something like a little bit of a run, like maybe a seven, nothing run or whatever. And uh, I, I think everybody was kind of going, Oh, here we go. This is it. This is the big letdown. They're going to screw this up. And they didn't, it, it was about a, a three minute lull. Chris Holtman pulls him aside, screams his head off. They go back on the court, and then they make a run. They score like 20 straight points or something insane. And they put the game away about halfway through the first half. And I was watching this, and I'm like, this hasn't happened with Ohio State basketball in years, where a team would just say, you know what, let's just get our collective crap together and then do it. And they did. And, you know, they beat Maryland. They go into Rutgers and just, you know, Rutgers is a, a complete garbage team. I don't, I don't really think we can 
you know, make too many bones about that, but they still went in and did their business and played extremely well. And what I was really excited to see and happy to see is that even though Rutgers was slowing down the game as much as they possibly could, Ohio State was still doing everything possible to run their offense and play their game and not play down to the level of that team. And that, to me, is a huge shift in attitude from what we saw the last two or three years. So I, to me, it's all attitude. It's just a huge attitude adjustment for the team overall. The talent still, you know, I don't think the talent is as good as it's going to get, but it's good. They're just weaponizing it now. And I think that is the biggest thing for this team so far this year. Well, right, wrong, or otherwise, one of the one of the knocks that I think had some merit in the later years of of Coach Mata's tenure was how well are we developing players? You know, so right the the ability to recruit blue chip talent was there, and and you know in the latter years less so, but but the ability was there, and it was always well, how much better did those players get? Well, you're getting to see some of that now, where Mata guys are um, really showing what they can do. Um, you, you look at CJ at the point as an example where, okay, last year he could have been a bit of a liability and there been, uh, there's been quite a bit of development and growth out of him this season. Um, you know, Kata Bates, Diop, what can you say? You know, it, big 10 player of the year in the making and, and maybe uh, make some people think about um, a, a reasonable candidate for him being one of the top 10 players in the country. Uh, Ken Palm, I think, has him ranked as one of his top 10 players in the country this week, which is which is pretty exciting. That hasn't happened. Yeah. Talking about something that hasn't happened in Ohio State very frequently in recent years. So and this is another season where um, basketball is kind of weird, right? It's a game of of streaks and ebbs and flows. And every team in the country, it feels like this year, all the good teams have an ugly win or a bad loss or something along those lines. I mean, you had West Virginia the other night, you know. Um, kind of, kind of laying the egg, and and uh, Michigan State obviously comes in as the number one team in the country, and it didn't go so well for them. So, uh, Ohio State is, like I say, the stars have kind of aligned here, and the fact that they play to the whistle. You know, if you want, you want to borrow some football analogies, four to six seconds, A to B, whatever we want to call it, <laughs> baseline to baseline. Yeah. Every player on that team wants to win every game, uh, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's paying dividends for them. Well, and here's the thing, and, and what I think is really, if you want to really hop on the optimism train and just be completely like, all right, they're going to the final four. I mean, their schedule, look, they've got at Northwestern, at Minnesota, both winnable games, I would hope. I mean, Nebraska, Penn State, Indiana, they don't, I mean, they're, I think Kim Palm was giving them something like a chance to win every game with the exception of two. Michigan is pretty much a toss up, in my opinion. And, you know, look. At this point, do I think that they're going to beat Purdue? Purdue looks amazing. Purdue looks incredibly good right now. Uh, but I wouldn't put anything past this team at this point. And especially, you know, you talked a little about Kata. The dude is averaging, you know, almost 20 and a half points a game, which is something that nobody has done uh, for a very long time at Ohio State. I mean, that's that's getting into like Evan Turner, you know, Jared Solinger territory. Um which is, you know, and, and to me, what really says about how great he's been offensively is if you look at the Purdue game, he still had 20 points, or excuse me, the, the Rutgers game, he still had 20 points in a game in which nobody was trying to score and just limit all the possessions. He still had 20 points. Uh, so he's he's being incredibly effective. You know, again, the knock on the team is that they're a little bit thin, which is certainly, I think, a, a fair thing to say. I mean, they were, you know, <laughs> Holman was talking about how they're looking at, like, you know, pick up street guys and maybe fill out the bench a little bit. Um, that's not something you typically hear at a at a school like Ohio State in a major sport like basketball, but that seemed to have been the reality uh, they were kind of maybe gravitating towards in the summer. I just look, I'm just really excited about this team. I don't I don't need them to make a final four run. I don't even need them to make the sweet 16. If they get to the tournament and they win a game, that to me is that's it. That's gravy. I mean, that that's what I wanted from this team. I wanted this team just to make the NCAA tournament. If they can steal a game or two, uh, I'll be ecstatic because this is just not, I think, what people thought they could achieve so quickly. Um, and then you've got guys like Luther Muhammad coming in next uh, year who looks really good and had that big matchup a couple days ago. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm really pumped about this, and I think that the team is going to make some really good strides, not just at the end of the season, but going into the next season when Holtman starts to really kind of figure out his personnel and get exactly what he wants in terms of uh, uh, his team and his starting five. So I'm, I'm really pumped about it. 
Yeah, I think the interesting thing, and in, in, to me, Coach Holman's taught his way, led his way into, uh, at this point, he's the prohibitive favorite for Big Ten Coach of the Year in my mind. So you know, <laughs> He has uh, to be, right? Which is hilarious I, because no Ohio State football coach is ever going to win that award. No, but no, no, no. It would be great if if a basketball coach to sneak in there and get one of those. That'd be awesome. And, and so then the, the I think the challenge is his, his tougher coaching job isn't this year, right? Because there are yes. zero expectations. So the blessing and the curse of this season is, is going to be okay. So he's already exceeded all expectations midway through the season, a little beyond the, the midway point. And, and you're right. As I look at Kim Palm, uh, they've got a better than 50% chance and really a better than 60% chance to win every game on the schedule, except the two that you mentioned. Um, and I think frankly, the only reason that, that um, Michigan is only a 40% chance of victory is because it's at Michigan. If that right. was a home game, it, you know, you'd probably flip that the other way because it's uh, it's going to be a close game regardless. Um, you get to the second round of the Big Ten tournament, that's already an improvement over over last year. And, and yeah, you make the NCAA tournament and, the, you know, the champagne uh, will flow in old Columbus town. So it's what, what happens next? Uh, you talked earlier this week um, about, potentially adding some more bodies to this uh, next recruiting class, which, you know, going to need bodies. Uh, and so what do you do then in that second season? Are you able to get some guys to look and say, Hey, you know what, this Holtman, he's a pretty good coach. I want to go play for him. Uh, can you keep more of the Ohio guys? That's been the other knock in recent years is that the best players in Ohio went to East Lansing or somewhere else. And, and that's, that's really, we're going to see the rubber meet the road, but the expectations uh, unfortunately are going to be raised as they were with coach Mata. The better, the better you do at this job, the harder it's going to get, at least from a fan happiness perspective. No. And I, I completely agree with you that next year is going to be like a really big test for how good of a coach Holtman is and how much uh, he's been able to change the program because you're right. You're not going to have Kata Bates to yet. You're going to bring in some guys, but that to me, I mean, you're right. That's going to be the bigger coaching challenge just because you don't really have some of these more established guys on the team that I think he benefited from a little bit. I mean, Izzo talked about this after the game. You know, he wanted to give a lot of credit to his his bro, Thad Mata. And really, Thad Mata does deserve, you know, some credit here for pulling the guys that are on the team together and, and really kind of cutting the fat that they needed to. So, you know, it, it's it's an interesting evolution. I mean, I don't want to get into next year too much because we still have so much to left Enjoy to play this, this season. Yeah, I, I mean, and I and I am, man. Like, I love watching I-State basketball now and and – you know, exactly where you're at, where I've watched more this season than I have and, you know, the last several seasons combined. So it's it's a lot of fun. All right. So the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store. Please go ahead and check that out. By the way, it is going to be, I, I'm looking at my app right now. It is forecast to be negative nine degrees <laughs> tonight. So I would recommend that you go to our Dry Goods Store, check out our, our hoodies, Check out our hats. Check out all of our nice warm clothing that will keep you warm in this incredibly cold, bitter winter uh, here in Columbus, Ohio, and the state of Ohio in general. Because, um, you know, I got my fingers crossed for a for another like cold day for me as a teacher. But <laughs> I want to go outside. I want to have fun. I want to build a snowman. You know, I want to kind of enjoy myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be wearing my hat. And hopefully, you guys go on the uh, the dry goods store, drygoods.elevenwarriors.com, and check those out. Those All right, so they're so sweet. Oh, they're great. They're 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 they they're comfortable. They I love the the fabric. It's great. Um, okay, so Andy, let's get into your wheelhouse a little bit here. We have you on uh, for a couple of reasons, but I'm really glad that you get to talk to us tonight and we get to have you on because I have. I mean, wrestling's not really my forte. I remember that when I was in elementary school, we had this like week where we just rotated a bunch of different. Um, sports that we were trying to learn and you know basically the idea was to get kids interested in different types of sports like hey i want to you know be a baseball player i want to be a soccer player or something like that and i remember we spent a couple days on wrestling and um i've always been kind of a a big person not like like large or muscular but like tall and kind of rangy and (laughs) i just didn't have the attitude for wrestling like there would be all these other kids and we would like wrestle and stuff and we'd do like the folk style kind of thing. And I would just use my arms and just try to push him over and then kind of run away and not really wanted to like pin the crap out of him. So what, what, as someone who has immersed himself in wrestling culture, what does it take to be a person like Kyle Snyder? And what does it take to be a person like Nathan Tomasello and all these guys that are just, you know, completely dominating in collegiate wrestling right now? What does it take to be at that level? 
you know, so setting aside the the obvious physical components of, of talent and strength and conditioning, you know, the sure. number one thing that separates those those fellows, Snyder, Tomasello, are are top of the heap uh, in my mind when it comes to this. Is Tom Ryan talked about being comfortable getting into a place of intense discomfort. So to get as strong as Kyle Snyder is, um, and I observed on his Instagram feed earlier this week, he was doing uh, uh, a partial squat variation with 690 pounds on his back. So he's, you know, close yeah. to three times his body weight on his back. Right. Um, mid-season, right? Mid-season um, and makes it look pretty effortless. So to to get that strong or or to maintain the condition that he does to be as fast as he is at his size, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable or being in a place of discomfort on a regular basis. Um, so that, that, that's number one. And Snyder, it's really interesting. If you, if you talk to him much, you talk to his teammates and his coaches much, he, uh, I hate to use the word literally, but he almost literally eats, sleeps and breathes wrestling. Like that is his passion, his job, his, um, his avocation, um, and, and there aren't a whole lot of extraneous things in his life outside of the sport of wrestling for him that, that involves his, uh, work as, as a member of Ohio state's team, but also his considerable international obligations as the reigning defending undisputed world and Olympic freestyle champion at 97 kilograms and the pound for pound best wrestler on the planet. So right. It's it's about that mindset. It's about putting in you know the time, and and certainly he is a unique physical talent as well. For him to be as strong as he is, uh, and and at NCAA wrestling regularly gives up twenty or thirty pounds on his opponents because they shade more toward. And people may not realize this. So Kyle's a heavyweight of the NCAA wrestling. That means you know on paper that's two hundred eighty five pounds. Well, I'd be shocked if Snyder's weighed two eighty five today in his life. Uh, is internationally, he wrestles at 97 kilograms, which is closer to 215 pounds. So, you know, he's going to go here in the stretch of the next few weeks, he's going to wrestle at Iowa, uh, or Ohio state's going to host Iowa rather this Sunday. Then he's going to wrestle, um, versus Penn state would be the next uh, big duel, right? So that's coming up pretty quickly. He's going to wrestle both of those. And then he's going to get on a plane like the very next day. Uh, and fly to Russia for the Oregon, which is a really prestigious, one of the, the biggest international wrestling tournaments, uh, and then fly back in time for the rest of Ohio State season because uh, he's going to wrestle at Michigan. He's going to wrestle, obviously, in the Big Ten and NCAA tournaments. So right. he, he's going to go from NCAA wrestling, where in theory, you know, 285 pounds heavyweight, uh, and then immediately go and wrestle down a class uh, to that 97 kilo class in international competition and then come back and do it again, but he won't necessarily change his body composition in that time frame. You know, he, he doesn't have to cut weight like he would if he were in a smaller class, but that's what I'm talking about. The kind of unique physical attributes he has to be able to do what he does internationally and then still compete credibly as a heavyweight in NCAA competition. Yeah. Well, so, so, okay, let's talk about those comparisons a little bit, because one of the things I want to get to uh, in the next couple of minutes that we have here, um, a lot of people may not understand the difference between the type of wrestling that is done collegiately and the type of wrestling that's done internationally. So explain, if you will, uh, the differences there, uh, maybe historical differences as well. And why, like how difficult it might be for a wrestler to have to transition between those two styles. One of the interesting things I I've seen, cause now I've watched, uh, Kyle, um, Tomasello watched uh, Joey McKenna all competing both, you know, free, uh, Colin Moore. Um, there are quite a few members of this team who have competed or are competing in international freestyle. So Joey was a member of Joey McKenna, who's a 141 pounder. He was our transfer in out of Stanford this season um, is, was a member of the under 23 world freestyle teams. So that's just all the members were under the age of 23. Kyle wrestles in that what's considered the senior, um, division of international freestyle wrestling. Tomasello also, the, the injury that he sustained that kept him out for three months was at the U23 World Team Trials. So he he was working to make the team that McKenna um, did make at the same tournament. 
So watching them go back and forth, the biggest differences really are, are just all about scoring. So there's mm -hmm. not nearly as much stylistic difference per se between folk style wrestling or NCAA wrestling and freestyle. Uh, now, if you go watch Greco-Roman wrestling, there is quite a bit of difference between Greco and, and folk style, but most of it is just scoring. So little things like uh, a tech fall in, in folk style NCAA wrestling is, is 15 points. You know, you get 15 points better than your opponent. That's a, that's a technical fall. Um, tech on the international side, I believe, is 10 points. Um, there are things like you can, um, uh, we'll say you turn a guy. So if you, you score the takedown, uh, would be the same both international and, and NCAA. But then in international competition, if you roll that guy over, you know, literally think about like a, an alligator or crocodile rolling their prey over um, like a log roll, that's that's additional points you score in international freestyle competition. So, you know, you get a guy down on the mat with a takedown and then just turn him over repeatedly. You are exhibiting control of him. You're, you're scoring points potentially toward ending the match. Other little things like um, in NCAA wrestling, you, you get to the edge of the mat and if you go out of bounds, the referee blows the whistle and you go back to the center of the mat and restart the match. In international competition, there's a point assessed there. If if um, you get pushed out of the uh, out of the ring or you run out of the ring, in essence, you step out. You you're going to give a point to your opponent. So there are little things like that. The international matches tend to be much faster. Um, they're mm. actually shorter. Like the length of the periods is different. But uh, international tends to go faster. The matches tend to be over quicker. A um, lot more scoring. You know, higher higher paced type matches in NCAA wrestling. When I first started watching it, there's there a lot more what I think of as defensive wrestling guys trying not to get scored on more so than trying to score. Um, yes. But teams like Penn state and and guys like Kyle Snyder and Nathan Tomasello have really changed that quite a well, lot in recent years. And I would, I would say that I think the emergence of Penn state and Tom Ryan and, you know, Kale Sanderson, all these other guys like going into the sport, I think they have changed the attitude of it immensely, at least from from an outsider's perspective in the past like few years. I think they've kind of elevated that profile a bit, maybe elevated some of the play a little bit. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for that that uh, that intro, that that bit of information, because it's helpful for me and it's helpful for us because we are very, very lucky to have on next uh, the greatest pound for pound wrestler in the entire world, Kyle Snyder. All right, we are really, really lucky to have on tonight uh, Kyle Snyder, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, NCAA champion, and best pound-for-pound -pound wrestler in the world. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. It's a real pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you guys very much for having me on. Well, we look, we at 11 Warriors, I think, have made a push to try to talk more about the wrestling program and, of course, you in general, but... We think it's look. I love the sport. I think it's really cool. I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm trying to learn, um, but the more I learn, the more I like, the more I appreciate. And it's it's a great honor to have you on. Um, let me start off with this. So, for the uninitiated, for people who don't maybe have a great understanding about what the top of the college wrestling world looks like right now, um, you know, we've got several teams that I think people might assume they got Penn State and of course Ohio State and Iowa and so on, but with all these great teams kind of jumbled up together and with different services saying who's on top and who's not, give me a case for Ohio state being the best wrestling program in the country. Yeah, I think, I mean, I just, I don't think that this Ohio state team uh, is just the best wrestling team in the country. I think that we have the potential to be the best wrestling team that's ever stepped foot in the history of college wrestling. <laughs> and I say that, I say that because, uh, I mean, we'll just go up the lineup. 125, uh, he's ranked number one in the country right now. Uh, he's been a national champion before. And I've, Nate Tomasello, obviously, uh, you know, he's an absolute stud. Then we have Luke Pletcher, a true sophomore, who's ranked number two in the country. Um, and he can compete with anybody. And Joey McKenna, who's ranked top eight in the country. And he's another guy um, who, you know, I would say that if he wrestles his best, I don't think there's anybody that can beat him. So, uh, you know, I, I think his potential is to be the best wrestler in the country at the end of the year. Then 149, Keyshawn Hayes, who's ranked top five. Uh, 
again, he's another really talented uh, wrestler. 57 is Micah Jordan, who's been an All-American last year. He's the top five guy in the country, um, and he lights it up on the scoreboard, tons of tons of points. 65, Tayshane Campbell, who's top 12 in most rankings, and he's a guy who uh, can wrestle with anybody. Same thing, really athletic, uh, causes a lot of problems when he gets on top of you. Um, and then 74, Bo Jordan, national finalist. Miles Martin, 84, national champion. Colin Moore, 97, uh, number one in the country, and then myself. So I don't think – there's only been one team in the history to have 10 All-Americans in the same year, and they didn't have a national champion. They just had 10 All-Americans. And I believe this team can have the potential to have 10 All-Americans plus, obviously, some national champs. Kyle, let me tell you something. One of the things I really love about that answer is we asked uh, Tom Ryan, Coach Ryan, something similar to that. And he gave basically the exact same answer that you just gave. He went right down the roster and said all their con- – and I love that. I, it sounds to me like you guys really, really love uh, wrestling with each other, training with each other, uh, that you guys are really close and you've got a really you know just tight group with that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how – Coach Ryan has been able to foster that kind of culture at Ohio State and with Ohio State wrestling. Yeah, I mean, it starts with him. I mean, his love, his love for us as individuals. I mean, he's just, uh, he cares about us so much. And it's, he tells us that he cares about us. You know, some, sometimes people only give you tough love and never really uh, let you know how they feel, but he's not that type of guy. Um, he'll push you, and then he'll also tell you that you care about him, that he cares about us. And um, he's hired a great coaching staff that are experts in their field. Um, and they've they've aided in the culture as well at Ohio State. So, um, but Coach Ryan is, without a doubt, one of the best head wrestling coaches in the country. Now, as you look at what what Ohio State has has built here, what you and your teammates have built, and and your goals of the postseason, we already we all know what those are. You you, you want to win, uh, you know, every match you wrestle from here on out, and see this team as the number one at the top of the heap. And and I think there's a lot of belief out there that you can do that. So so walk us through what it takes. What's the mindset that it takes to do what you and your teammates are doing? Because it, it, you mentioned it. There's only one team in history that's had 10 All-Americans, but I think all of you really seem to believe like this is a reality. So how, how do you get there? How do you become someone like Kyle Snyder, Nathan Tomasello, or Bo Jordan at that level of, of the sport where you are? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's just a talent. You know, God-given gifts that uh, guys like Tomasello and Jordan and Martin and Moore and all these other guys in our team were, were born with. And uh, they, they've used those, and they've also surrounded themselves with amazing coaches and amazing training partners, plus their, their dedication to the sport and their ability to consistently come inside the room and – train, uh, not just go through the motions, but really come in and train and think about, analyze themselves and how they want to become a better wrestler, I think. Uh, and that's what we, we focus on every day. We want to we wanna become better versions of ourselves every single day that we're in the room and the coaches help with that. Uh, the, the elite training partners we have help with that. And just the, the fact that most of the guys in the room really love wrestling, so it's easy to be around them. It's easy to be inspired. I want to ask you a concept question here, and I'm going to pull back from Ohio State a little bit to the sport in general. You know, for for a lot of folks, you are the face of wrestling in the United States today, and, and you have a huge following uh, in places like Iran and in Russia and other places that have this passion and love for wrestling that that you do and appreciate your greatness as a competitor. So when you look at the sport of wrestling, you know, as we look at 
trends of, of youth participation in the States. Um, more girls are wrestling than ever, but, but fewer boys are wrestling, uh, say, at the high school, middle school levels. So when, when you look at this as sort of the face of the sport um, by hook or by crook today, what, what's it going to take to continue to grow the sport and get, get people um, who haven't been exposed to it more excited or, or interested in, in what I think is really one of the greatest sports we have to offer? Well, I think right now we're in a really good, really good situation in the United States. I think, you know, the senior world team just, just won the world championship for the first time in 22 years. Um, and our youth, our cadet and junior and university teams are as strong as they've ever been. So uh, those are just role models for kids all across the country. You know, these people come, all these world team members come from different states and uh, you, you you get the message out that way. And then right now in the NCAA, uh, you have Penn State, who had five national champions on one roster last year, and they're all back. Um, and basically in one of the greatest team races, I think, that there's ever been in the sport, I think. This type of competition is what drives fans. It's what drives people, uh, you know, people to maybe try out the sport because they they're seeing all these great great wrestlers compete in ways that put up points like they've never seen before try different moves um and plus i think there uh, i think there's a responsibility for the guys who have uh you know probably accomplished uh some of the things that some of the higher achievements in the sport to kind of go back to some of the youth places and teach them how to have fun when they're wrestling and what that even means. Cause it's a, it's an intense sport. So sometimes that's difficult for people to really uh, wrap their head around. How do you have fun when you're doing it? But I think a lot of, a lot of the guys that I know who are succeeding at a high level, uh, they have a lot of fun while they're doing it. Well, you know what? I want to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you actually in a little bit about, uh, you know, just some reflections on your last upcoming duel and whatnot, but I want to stick on the international track real quick. You've had obviously a ton of international success, especially as of late. I mean, you've got a big international tournament coming up here soon. Uh, you had an epic match, you know, several months ago against, you know, the Russian tank. What, what has been your favorite or most memorable match that you've had so far at the international level? My favorite match, the the only match that I've ever cried after winning was the 2015 World Championships. I've never cried. After, I've cried after losing a match, but I've never cried after winning a match except for that one. So looking back on that match, I mean, the Salt Live match was awesome. Uh, it was exciting the whole time, back and forth battle. So, And I like matches like that. They're fun for me and fun for everybody else who's involved. Um, in the Olympics, it's like it's the Olympics, you know, so put it on such a high pedestal. But the 2015 Worlds was special because, uh, I mean, that year I got pinned in the NCAA Finals, and that hurt a lot. So I was able to come back and make the senior world team and wrestle against a guy from Russia that I had grown up in middle school and high school, looking up to him, uh, believing that he was one of the best technicians that I've ever seen. And then I competed against him in my first world championship and won on another buzzer beater takedown. So that was, it was, that was really cool. Was that, was that match sort of the, the turning point, if you will, in, in building what has become the legend of, of Kyle Snyder? Cause I think for a lot of folks who, you know, if they just tuned in now uh, to your career and, and you have, you know, two world championships and Olympic gold medal, et cetera, et cetera, when you go down through your, your accolades, they might be shocked that you didn't win the NCAA championship that first year. Like, it seems like with the career you've had, one would assume, oh, four-time NCAA champion, probably a couple of Hodge trophies and so on. Like, was, did it take that that freshman year result at the tournament and then following it up with such a huge win at the worlds was was that was that a bit of a turning point or kind of walk us through that stage of your evolution and growth as a wrestler yeah so i mean 
what happened was uh, I was working as hard as I possibly could, and I was competing at a really high level my true freshman year. I mean, we had we had J.D. Bergman in the room who has been a world team member, senior world team member, and me and him were really back-and-forth matches. So I, I thought – I knew that I could compete high at the senior level, and uh, I thought that I could – obviously I thought that I could win the NCAAs, you know. But uh, I think the match – what the match really did for me, nothing physically or technically did it make me – that much better in that short period of a time but mentally I think it uh really forced me to uh mentally become stronger in the sense of having less fear when I go out there and compete and really putting trying to put most of myself all of myself out there effort wise so that that was the turning point there and then the match I think that that was the turning point in my career was when I beat uh, Varner at the U.S. Open in 2015. Varner, Jake Varner was the Olympic champ in 2012, and I had wrestled him since I was, since I was a junior in high school, and he just used to destroy me. So <laughs> uh, in two years, I was able to kind of turn the tables on him. And that was and, for me. And never look back. <laughs> yeah, try not to. Well, so let's, okay, so let's get a little bit more to the present day. We've got the Iowa duel coming up on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be your last home duel, you know, in your, your college career. What are some of your thoughts on that, you know, as you kind of close this thing out? Well, the number one thought I have in my mind uh, is just the fact that I want to destroy Iowa. Right. So, <laughs> not even the fact that it's my senior duel, last senior duel. It's more like I just want to, I don't know, it's something about, sometimes it's not, it's not even the individuals on their team really. It's just the team itself together. I want to destroy them. So, uh, but um, when I look back on my time here at Ohio State, uh, just I said this earlier. I'm just I'm thankful for so much for all the people who have put time into me and uh, helped me mentally and physically and technically, spiritually. So it's been really quick, but I've enjoyed it. And uh, I'm still going to be competing and representing Ohio while I'm out there. So if I look at the calendar correctly, so you're you're going to wrestle Sunday afternoon at the Schottenstein Center and then run to the airport as fast as you can to get to the Uregan. Uh, and then uh, kind of talk through the craziness that is the next, you know, three, four weeks um, from, from here through the end of, of the season? Because you've got quite a lot on your plate between you know, that, that tournament and the duels that you're going to wrestle for the Buckeyes yet. Yeah, so this is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm wrestling in Iowa on Sunday at 3.30. At 1.30 on Monday, I take off to Kresnyarsk. It's about Kresnyarsk, Russia. It's, uh, we take off on the 22nd. First, we fly over to Germany, then to Moscow. We stay a night in Moscow, and then it's a five-hour flight to Kresnyarsk, uh, Russia. And the cool thing about Kresnyarsk, Russia, is it's 12 time zones away. So if you, if you <laughs> go any further, you actually get closer to uh, America, which is pretty interesting. So then I wrestle in the uh, Uregan, uh, which is, other than the world championships, it's known as the toughest tournament on the face of the earth. Uh, and I compete in that on the 28th. Then I return uh, January 30th. I'll get back in Columbus. I'll rest for two days. And then I'll wrestle against Penn State on the 3rd. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's what happens, I guess, when you, you happen to be the, the best pound-for-pound pound wrestler in the world. Uh, you kind of are obligated to, to kind of live up to that. So that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, Kyle, before we get out of here, I just I would remiss if I don't ask you this question about kind of your future a little bit. Um, there has been some talk about like going into like MMA or something like that. There's also been uh, some talk about continuing like the Olympic career. Where do you see yourself in five or six years? In five or six years, I see myself still wrestling. I see myself okay. still wrestling. I mean, I've talked to uh, Cormier 
about it. And, uh, you know, Cormier's 39, and he's the UFC 205 uh, pound champion of the world. So, right. I mean, his advice to me was just to wrestle for as long as I possibly can, and then if I feel like fighting after that, then fight. So, right now the plan is to do that, and then I'll see how I see how I feel at the end of all of it. Um, but I, I want to wrestle for as long as I can first. Okay, so you've got uh, Tokyo uh, for sure, Paris, Los Angeles. Uh, do you have one more in you after that then? Because you still wouldn't have crossed 39 three Olympics from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Hopefully my, if my body can compete, then I'll be in there. I think that'd be fantastic. Well, I'll be pulling for you, champ. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and seriously, whatever form your career takes, I mean, we'll definitely be rooting you on and cheering for you because uh, to watch your career to this point has been a real pleasure. And we really thank you for coming on the Dubcast tonight and kind of talking about it. Thanks, man. Good luck on uh, Sunday. Yeah, thank you. All right. So that was, again, that's that's Kyle Snyder, man. Like, I never thought, we, like, I, I'm just still kind of in awe and, and appreciative of you, Andy, for, for helping us uh, get that thing going because I – I'm really excited they got to talk to the best pound for pound wrestler in the entire world, Olympic champion, you know, all these other accolades that we can give to him because that was, that was a real treat. That was a lot of fun. You know, I was talking with somebody earlier today, uh, the wrestling team had their weekly media availability this afternoon. And, and one of the other um, reporters was there. I said, you know, when you really think about it, you put Kyle Snyder in perspective and other than what, maybe Jesse Owens, Snyder's probably the most decorated, most accomplished um, individual athlete in, in yeah. the university's history. And that's really, I mean, that's really saying something when you look at the number of just absolutely incredible uh, athletes that are, are out there. But at this point, Snyder has been the, the gold medalist at the world level uh, for three years in a row and, and has beaten the best in the world every time they've they've come up against him i i just uh i think it's well, an incredible thing what yeah. what he's accomplished and he's not done yet right and, and it's considering his age i mean he's incredibly young and you know we kind of talked about it he alluded it to in the interview but the the satellite of uh match which you guys can check out i think it's on youtube or whatever like yeah. it's and you should it's thick it, oh yeah because it's it's a sick match and he comes back from behind to win that thing and it's just you know he was the underdog really. I mean, that was the only guy who was, who was considered to be maybe better than him. And he went out there and, and took it to him. Uh, and, and really, I think it, it says that the kind of person that Kyle Snyder is that he clearly relished the chance to, uh, you know, take him on. And, and essentially I've had to change his, his weight class to get to that, but it was, it was a really cool thing to see. And even though, I mean, you know, Kyle Snyder has established his bona fides in the world of wrestling. He can say that he's the best in the world because he is the best in the world. But I think a lot of times people maybe look at something like that and go, oh, the guy's cocky or whatever. But he genuinely enjoys those matchups. It's not like I remember reading a lot of the stuff after this Nigel Live match and, and interviews with him. And he had nothing but respect for the guy and was like, you know what? I won on the best in the world, but it, it was a great match. And I was relishing my chance to do it because I know how good of a wrestler he was or is. And I wanted the chance to to do that. So that's the kind of athlete and competitor that he is. And it was really cool to have him on. Uh, I, I know I've told you this story, but if, if if anybody ever questions the 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 humility or or the the humbleness of of Snyder, um, I saw it on full display Friday night at the Minnesota duel. You know, he's out on yep. the mats ahead of the match, warming up, and and he's clearly kind of you know focused on the task at hand. But he sees over on the baseline of the Schottenstein Center. A group of kids um and there were a truckload of of youth uh wrestlers i mean even you know down into kind of elementary school age kids who'd come to watch this team and and a handful of them five or six kids wanted to get their picture taken with kyle snyder wanted to get his autograph and he stopped what he do it what he was doing and, and went over and talked to every one of those kids got their pictures and and genuinely looked like he was glad to meet them uh, and i think those kids walked away thinking they were the most important person in the world because kyle snyder took time to come over and talk to them uh he is he is every bit the the salt of the earth down to the down to earth kind of guy 
um, that you like to see, you know, representing your university, representing Team USA, but just also happens to be the best um, in his sport, perhaps in history. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just just that little note that you can add on to the end of that. I think, I mean, really what we're all trying to say with all this is, uh, you know, first of all, you have one more chance to see this dude, right? You've got one more chance to see this guy at the shot. Uh, you've got a duel coming up uh, against a, la- a legendary, um, you know, program in Iowa that has produced some of the greatest wrestlers, you know, also of all time. Uh, it's last chance to see the greatest pound for pound wrestler in the entire world. Uh, pr- easily the greatest wrestler in Ohio State history. And that's saying something because Ohio State itself has had some incredible wrestlers as well. Um, I'm, I'm telling you guys, go out and see it. Go to the shot. It's at Andy. It's at 330, right? 3.30 Sunday, the Schottenstein Center. Uh, Tom Ryan's asking for a sellout. And and if you are so inclined, the uh, program is also asking fans to wear white uh, since Iowa will be wrestling in, uh, in, in the black and gold. They um, would like to see Ohio State fans white out the, the shot. Um, Coach Ryan today said, you know, I asked him what his expectations were for Sunday. He said, uh, my expectations are for a whiteout. I said, okay, well, let's everybody yeah. get on the same page then. Look, I, anyone within the sound of this voice and get to that thing needs to do so because that is, again, that is a historic moment. And I, I think as an Ohio State sports fan of no matter what sport you're really most attached to, I think that's something that you definitely should do and check out. And by the way, guys, if you enjoy listening to Love and Dovecast and enjoy listening to uh, interviews like guys like Kyle Snyder, uh, we would really like it if you guys could rate and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, it helps us out. It lets us know what we're doing uh, right, what we're doing wrong. Um, and like I said, it helps support us and, and enables us to get these these awesome guys on so that we can talk about it. All right. So, Andy, I'm really glad that you get to participate in my one of my favorite parts of the show where people write in whatever crazy thing that's on their mind and asks us anything. Um, so I'm excited to hear your hottest of takes with this. If you guys want to ask us anything, you can send us a tweet to at 11 dubcast or you can send us an email uh, 11 dubcast at uh, 11, or excuse me, dubcast eleven warriors dot com. Um, so we got we got some good questions, Andy. I'm I'm excited for it. I think it'll be good. Let me pull them up here real quick. So my hot takes at the ready. That's good. Uh, so we're gonna start with uh, we're gonna start with the uh, the Twitter questions here, and we missed one last time from David, and I feel a little bad about this. So we're gonna we're gonna hit him first. He wants to know: Has there ever been a better time than now uh, for Buckeyes in the NFL? And he's saying you could pretty much build an entire team. So have you been following the playoffs at all? The NFL playoffs? I'm, I I shouldn't admit this um, because uh, it was not be a popular position among. <laughs> Ohio NFL fans, but yes, uh-huh. uh, the team I married into was playing um, uh, Sunday in the playoffs. It did not go well for them. Oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. So, which team is that? <laughs> they they also happened to wear uh, black black and gold, as it were. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh. You know what? Steelers you don't fans. have to apologize. That there are so many Pittsburgh Steeler fans in the Columbus area. I don't know how that has transpired but that is not anything to to apologize for i don't think especially given how many great ohio state players have been on the Steelers as of late right that's always my get out of jail free card so when when i married the stunning mrs vance i i was not a huge um follower of either ohio nfl franchise in fact you know my my starter jacket nothing wrong with that either that's that's well my my, my starter jacket as a um you know a a gangly youth uh back in the day was the dallas cowboys you know go right go uh those great jimmy teams winning super bowls left and right you know i want to say something dude mine was the uc bearcats that was okay yeah we're we're uh we we, uh i follow our skeletons in our closet that was my that was my football outlet was was the buckeyes so um met the stunning mrs vance and she's a diehard steelers fan from from uh, wheeling west virginia and it was really easy at that time i think there were five buckeyes on the roster because you had uh you know hayward was was in the early days uh of his career so that was the first uh, NFL jersey I'd ever owned was was Cameron Hayward's. I thought, well, if I'm going to have to wear something, at least it would be with Buckeye pride. Uh, and of course, the venerable Dick LeBeau, um, yep. you know, it, uh, one of the greatest Buckeye football players of all time. Um, and, you know, you look at his career from playing for Woody Hayes on up through his NFL career and then as a Hall of Fame coach. So it was really easy to get behind 
uh, the Steelers and, and the last uh, couple years have been very interesting, certainly following Ryan Shazier um, and, uh, you know, all prayers for him and, and his recovery uh, and love seeing the spirit out of him. So it's, there's just been a lot of reasons to like that, that team and that franchise, even if it's not popular back home with my, my Bengals loving family members. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, look, as a Bengals fan myself, I mean, you're, not, you're never really a fan of the Bengals. You kind of just, you know, you're, you're a well-wisher in a lot of ways. <laughs> to paraphrase Mo from the Simpsons, it's like, you're a well-wisher and that you don't wish them any specific harm. Like, yeah. you're just like, you know what, this is a thing that I genetically or, or by quirk of geography, I'm kind of like dealing with, but it's not really something I'm proud of. Um, there's definitely a fatalism in Bengals fans that, you know what Browns fans always say, and this, and I've said this a trillion times, but Brown fans always say like, Oh, this is the worst. Uh, And then as soon as the draft rolls around, they're like, Oh, here we go. Eight and eight, nine and seven's a possibility. People are telling, swear to you, Andy, and you could probably look at the Slack chat logs. People were saying eight and eight or seven and nine was a real possibility for the Browns last April. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go back and I'm going to start getting the receipts and making a lot of people upset. There's a lot of Ohio State players in the final four teams in the the playoffs, I think, that are, uh, you know, give you a chance to root for the teams. You got Fat Pat, you got Pat Alfline on the the Vikings, you know, Michael Bennett over there on the Jags, um, you know, all kinds of dudes that people have talked about. It, it's a little sad that the, the Saints, who were well, yeah, so was- stacked, uh, you know, with Ohio State players, but Cam Hayward. I mean, you know, obviously the you know the the Steelers are out of it, but Cam Hayward just made the uh, the All Pro uh, team there because uh, Cleo Mack dropped out. So that's I think it's awesome. I think it's great, and I think it does say at least a little bit something about how Urban Meyer um, develops these guys for the league. Because you know, even though the Browns and the Bengals seem to avoid Ohio State players like the plague. I think other teams have gotten wise to the fact that some of these guys are really, really, really good. Yeah. So what's, what's amazing. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, new Orleans, I, I kind of referred to them as the new Orleans Buckeyes there because there were, they, they felt like this season, like my Steelers were a few years ago when there were so many Buckeyes on the team or, you know, Carolina's had, had a, a, a glut of uh, Buckeyes in recent years. And, and those teams, you know, they, they get it. These players have developed well and look at the guys who have had, long careers um you know here's a guy i'm I'm looking at thinking about teddy ginn talking about new orleans oh, uh teddy who, ginn's been around forever i don't think people expected him to last nearly as long in the league that, as he has yeah. but he, he's hung in there and he's he had a great season and and you go down through i'm looking at the list of of guys who are who are on a team in one capacity or another you know it's almost every position group you can go you know, staying right. staying with new orleans uh, Michael Thomas, man, you know, was there was there a better receiver in the league this year? Um, you'd be hard pressed to 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 name two or three who were better than him. Yeah, you might pick one and say, okay, this guy had a great year, but Thomas, just you know, exceptional um, early couple of years. The defensive line, you know, Hayward and and oh, by the way, we haven't even talked about Joey Boza. You got <laughs> right. running backs, a plenty in the league. Uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, and and we we're talking about Teddy Ginn as a guy who can do it all. And, every position group seemingly we even have a quarterback you know or, or two associated <laughs> with teams believe it or not for for a team that's not known for putting quarterbacks in the league right so hey uh is there a better time to you know have there been a better time for buckeyes in the nfl well you know if i really had to think about it maybe but it, we'd be splitting hairs i'd think i think you know when you can say that you've got possibly the best corner in the league coming out of your program and what a lot of people would say is the best wide receiver in the league and what some people might say is like a top like three or five defensive linemen in the league uh some of the best centers in the league I mean think about like Corey Lindsley up there in Green Bay that look that that can do nothing but good things for the Ohio State program when they can sell these recruits on that because it's the, the facts for themselves I mean they're they're out there doing some pretty awesome things in the league so that's a good question thank you uh dave for sending that in next one is uh from dave another dave different dave uh he has he's got a store and he wants your opinion on it so he says i was recently on vacation in mexico and noted a family all of age no young kids uh sporting some apparel with a block m on it i said to my wife that i wanted to ask them uh if they had been to the fire pits yet and then suggest that they toss the hat in at their next visit 
My wife replied, when are you going to be over that? Uh, my wife and I both went to OSU. I grew up in Columbus. She did not and thus does not know the pain of the 1990s. Am I out of line here or is my wife wrong? Oh, let me just give a piece of marital advice. Um, <laughs> your wife is never wrong. And Johnny, for you, uh, about ready to tie the knot, your wife is never wrong. She has you know never what? been I'm wrong. You know what? I'm a big idiot. And like, I don't even have to like do that game. Like, I'm, I'm, She's pretty much never wrong. Like, that, yeah. That's pretty much an automatic. So I don't even have to worry about that. I'm married well above my station, and I know yeah. that. And uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, here's, here's the thing I'll say. I travel quite a lot, um, for, for my day job, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was on 80 some airplanes last year and, and everywhere I go, um, if I'm in a suit and tie, I have a block O lapel pin on. If I, if I'm just, you know, wearing, wearing blue jeans, you know, I've probably got at least a, a block O hat on, if not, uh, you know, a jacket pullover or something, because everywhere I go, I will meet someone from our university, whether, whether maybe it's just a random football fan or somebody, you know, there's always a story. Oh, you know, um, dad went to Ohio state or, Oh, I did my undergraduate there. Oh, my daughter is going to school there, whatever it is. And that's how I connect with people when I'm away from home, because everywhere you go, you know, the sun never sets on Ohio state. The, the, The reality or the flip side of that is there are some equally passionate fans of that school up North. And, uh, you know, there are people too. Uh, I learned this the hard way when my four-year-old daughter um, is in in uh, pre pre kindergarten with a number of kids whose parents don't have the same loyalties we do, and so mm-hmm. we're we're teaching her. After I got in trouble for the first day, she uh, came home and said, "Daddy, Tyler had a Michigan jersey on. I couldn't play with him today." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I got in trouble for that, and so we had to have a, an important don't talk conversation. To me. That- they're, they're people too. And, uh, let them live as they say. Right. Yeah. Let them live. I want to say something. So I, it's interesting that, that Dave asked this question because I had this conundrum, uh, during the summer, uh, my fiance soon to be wife turned 30 this past summer. And we went up to a nice vacation in, in Michigan, which was good. Um, and we checked out a lot of cool different places. We went to, I think the, the great bear dunes and walked around that, which is fantastic. By the way, I recommend any, everybody who can go there, go there. It's, it's really cool. Um, and I'm kind of of the same mind. You are like, try to try to let them live a little bit. And I just remember we were at the top of this dune and I'm, I'm wearing, you know, some Ohio state stuff or something like that. And I see this really an older guy probably probably i would say in his mid 70s and he god love him he walked up to the top of this freaking dune and he's wearing a michigan hat and he's got what i assume is his granddaughter with him and you know they're having this nice family just moment and he asks me if i would take a picture of them (laughs) and (laughs) and half of me was like I should just slap that phone right out of his hand and be like, listen, old man, I don't have to do a word you say. You're wearing a Michigan hat. I'm from Ohio State and scream in his face. And the other side of me was like, I'm not going to destroy this family outing because <laughs> this guy's wearing a hat. And so I took a picture and I was cordial and I was nice and, and hopefully it made him feel a little bit better about Ohio State fans. But I, I cannot deny the impulse that I had to just ruin their afternoon um, always, by being completely obnoxious. It's always there. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. Um, and so I just think that's, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I would say try to avoid being a douche. But I will say this. One of my favorite all-time videos in the history of the internet is a video of, there are these Ohio State fans that are walking around the ruins of Machu Picchu in Peru. And they spy some Michigan fans, like maybe a hundred feet below them in another part of the ruins. And they're just screaming at the, at the Michigan fans and <laughs> tell them they're dumb. And the Michigan <laughs> fans are giving it right back. And I'm like, this is amazing. They're in the ruins. This, this incredible, amazing historical site, you know, that's this, this area of, of historic world importance. And they're like, yeah, I hate Michigan. Michigan sucks. And it's just, it's, it's hilarious. So on one hand, I understand the decorum part. Of the other hand, you know, some maybe you, know, you got to give the business sometimes. All right, last one here, real quick. Keep that torch is, burning, Dave, but your wife is never wrong. That's there you go. That's that's a good summation. Last one here before we get out. This is from Alvin, our good friend. Uh, he wants to know what sports could Urban coach outside of football. I'll answer this real quick. Serious answer: baseball, clearly, because he's got the background in it. Uh, comedy answer. I would say that he would be a world champion. Like he would produce some world champion figure skaters. I think he's the kind of guy who could construct a very tight 
uh interesting routine with a lot of like pizzazz and pow that surprised people and i think he has the intensity to make sure that they'd stay on the ice and practice and do all the things so figure skating i think it'd be excellent you know what i what i'm pondering now and and uh, you know i immediately went to wrestling since that's uh that's my bailiwick yeah. um, and, and i laughed today the first uh we're standing at the media veil at the steelwood training center today and tom ryan uh, walks in and uh he sees all the you know the members of the media there and a couple of tv cameras and so on and he says uh what, what what are you guys up to? You you, you come talk about basketball or <laughs> and I thought you know I wonder wonder what Tom Ryan would be like as a basketball coach. Now now I'm pondering what would Urban Meyer <laughs> be like as a wrestling coach. You know, oh, he, I think he'd be excellent. I yeah, think that would be right up his alley. He could totally he could totally do that. I don't I don't know what what uh, his technical knowledge might be, but uh, yeah, he'd fit in with some of the other coaches in that sport. For oh, sure. I that that I do not doubt. All right, that's ask us anything. Continue, please, sending in those those incredible excellent questions and i gotta tell you something andy it's been a real pleasure having you on i really appreciate you coming on especially kind of in a little bit of short notice uh you killed it it was great and uh yeah we'll definitely have to have you back on sometime soon if they don't cancel the podcast um, because of this appearance then i'd be delighted to come back anytime you know what i've been doing this for many years if they haven't canceled it by now uh it's the, there's no you're, you're good let me just say you're good you're good it's, don't it's worry gonna, about it's it. gonna run forever it's gonna run forever all right that's the 11 dubcast this week turn in next time children we'll see you next time